All right, so as we approach this Passover season, hopefully we're thinking a lot about forgiveness and what Christ has done for us and that it's only through Christ that we can be forgiven. And hopefully as part of that, we're thinking about the relationships. You know, as we share the Lord's table together, the idea is that it's one loaf coming together with one cup and we are sharing together in community. And a part of that means forgiveness and forgiving living. So today, I want to share a few verses with you concerning forgiveness. I want to share a story, and then I want to take a little bit of time for us just to pray through a little bit of issues of forgiveness. So our first verse is really foundational. When we look at Jesus' teachings here, this is where some friends have brought a man on a mat, and Jesus looks down at the man and says, your sins are forgiven. He doesn't just say, I forgive you for what you've done. He makes this blanket statement as though he has authority to forgive sins across the board. And so he says, your sins are forgiven. And that becomes a very controversial thing because at this point, um, they're going to say, well, only the Lord can forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. Who do you think you are that you can say your sins are forgiven? And to demonstrate this, he heals the guy to show him, see, which is harder to say your sins are forgiven, get up and walk. And so he heals the guy to demonstrate that he does have that authority to forgive sins. But it doesn't stop there. If we look at the next verse. It's an empowering verse here. And this is John 20, 22 through 23. And this is Jesus after his resurrection, when he truly is paid for the sins of the world. And so at this point then, he's appearing to the, to the 11, or the 10, I guess Thomas isn't there, and then neither is Judas. And he says, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And as anything else, we have to think through the New Testament here. Jesus talks to the Jews most of the time. He talks to the disciples most of the time. And so there's going to be folks who are going to say, this is not for us today. They're going to say, this is just for the apostles. That's something you're going to have to be praying through and say, Lord, is this for us? Would you give us wisdom to discern? Is this for us? Do we have this authority to forgive sins? And again, this isn't just, I forgive you. This is, your sins are forgiven. And there are some denominations that they just reserve this for a select few within the ministry to say that person has the authority to forgive sins and they have reasons for that. But if you look here, this isn't just one apostle he's speaking to. He's speaking to all of them there that are left, and Thomas will join them later. And it seems to me, as we start looking through this passage, there seems to be some sort of authority that's being passed down from the disciples, I mean, for Jesus to the disciples, and I believe to us as well. Let me give you one more verse about forgiveness here. Is there something I need to point at? Um, and this one's kind of a sobering verse. Um, so I want to read through this and explain a little bit. This is right after the Lord's Prayer, which we would think is for us, right? We would think the Lord's Prayer is for us. And then it says, after, right after the Lord's Prayer, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's pretty good news, right? But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is a pretty disturbing verse because I know that as I've prayed through things with you know, myself and with other folks, often people will say, oh, I think I've forgiven them. I've tried. I've forgiven them over and over. I think so. Um, but this is a, anytime you have a passage that says God's not going to forgive you, you want to slow down a little bit and try to understand, well, what do we do here at this point? How do we know for sure that we have 
forgiven someone here at this point. And I want to be careful here, too. This is a verse that the enemy can weaponize, and I want to make sure that you're aware of this. You remember when the temptation happened with Jesus, what the enemy did was he quoted Scripture, and he weaponized it. Don't let this verse be weaponized against you and separate you from God. The point here is not that you're supposed to struggle and strain and figure out whether or not you've forgiven somebody here, but there's this idea of you and fellowship with the Father forgiving. And we'll look at this again. This uh, it sounds very similar to the parable of the unjust steward or the unjust servant here. At this point, he is forgiven this great debt, and then he refuses to forgive this tiny little debt. If you haven't read that story, check it out there in Matthew. But it seems very similar here, that the Lord is expecting us, because he has forgiven us, while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't that we had repented and turned around and we were something great and then he forgave us. No, while we were still sinful, he forgave us. And that's a pattern, it's supposed to be at least, a pattern for our relationships with other people. It's not necessarily that they have repented and come back to us and asked for forgiveness. We tend to think sometimes that that's when the time to forgive is. Well, when they actually want forgiveness, then I'll give it to them. But until that time, I'm going to be unforgiving, which isn't really a scriptural way to live. I want to share a story now, a little story about unexpected forgiveness. And to give you a little background on this, I'll tell you a little bit about some of the quirky ways that I raise my boys. And the first thing is, back up to this, oh, this remote is not so great. One more out. Okay, so when I got my first bicycle for my oldest son, um, I didn't want to just go to some store and buy a bike. I wanted a cool one. And now cool is relative, right? We all know cool is relative. Um, So we came across this in an antique store, and it was this Schwinn um, Tornado, And the Schwinn Tornado is this crossover between when they had just switched over from the banana seats to the BMX. So it has a lot of like really cool older features in it. Um, And it's also just a single sprocket bike, which, you know, some bicycle purists will say that's the only way. Um, My son learned why that's so hard. But at the same time, the coolest thing about it was it had this speedometer that would have added to it as well. So you could actually, I I forget, Judah, what's the fastest you got up to in this bike? Do you remember? Don't remember, it's like, they got up to 30 or something on it one time. And so there's a speedometer on the bike, and we saw the speedometer, like, oh, that is the coolest thing. And sometimes, you know, kids can be easily influenced if the dad thinks, oh, this is so awesome, well, then the kid's going to think it's awesome as well. So this was the bike that we got for him. So then a few years later, when I was getting Simon, my, his first bike, um, I was in Goodwill, and we came across this bike that looked like a motorcycle. It was so cool. It was only $12. I'm like, this is awesome. It needs a lot of work, but I'll, I'll fix it up. It'll be really cool. And then I got this retro, um, I retrofitted this um, police siren on it. And I figured he could pretend like he was a police officer and pull over his brother and stuff like that. And it, was, it would be really cool. And so, yeah, I don't know. Is this cool? Is it not cool? I think it's how you play it. But for us, we just thought, this is so cool. This is a really cool. I knew he would love it. And so we got it. We got it all fixed up. And about the time that I got the police siren on, it was like a day or two before um, I just put it on, um, we had it in the backyard, and we live up this driveway, there's a fence and everything, and that night that, that got stolen. It was sitting there outside, and the bike got stolen. And I didn't know it th- about this until I, had, I was already at work, and we had been praying through things with folks, and we had seen fathers and mothers not necessarily take something seriously when something like this happens, and I thought, this is a severe violation in this child's life. I've got to leave work right now and go home. I'm going to make sure that we figure this out. 
And so I had this plan. We've got to figure out which way he probably went. You know, he might have just rode it down the hill and ditched it. Um, when people steal a bicycle, by the way, they don't normally ride uphill. They ride downhill. And so we're going to go downhill and check it all out. And we tried to look around the porches, you know, kind of stealthily figure out, did someone steal this? Where is this? And it looks like, by the way, at night, it's kind of funny because it looks like um, he accidentally pushed the button. Whoever it was that stole it must have pushed the button with a siren because they like broke the siren off and threw it down as though like it had a bike alarm on it or something. But we missed it. We didn't hear it. So anyways, um, by the time I got home though, um, Jen had already done something amazing. Um, she'd already sat down with Simon and they had talked about it and they tried to figure out why would somebody steal someone else's bike? You know, what was it that was, and we talked a bit about jealousy, we talked a little bit about need, we talked a little about anger or revenge, and tried to figure out what was the best thing that we can do in order to process the fact that this bicycle was stolen. So what I had pulled up to when I came in the driveway then, if I can get the, just go ahead and advance the slide, I'll pretend like I'm changing it. So the sign reads, I'll have to get close to read it, to whoever took our bike, we are praying for you. This is not what God has for you. God will forgive you, and so do we. And so they put this sign up, not knowing whether the person would see it or not, but it was our way to put that message out there. And that message ended up being something that impacted people. Um, so this ended up being something that got picked up by the local news. If you guys want to play that clip then. This is the second time that it was really on news. Excited. Because they didn't tell me I was going to get a bike. You may remember this sign posted in the front yard of a Lynchburg home. Well, we know the boy. After someone took that little boy's bike, today ABC 13 was there as a local cycling group helped make it right. It's a story you are only going to see right here. ABC 13's Katie Brooke is live at Bikes Unlimited right now. And Katie, Simon Love had no idea he was getting a brand new bike. Danner, he was very surprised, speechless actually. The eight-year-old had put this sign outside of his yard offering prayers and forgiveness to whoever took his bike. And that act of kindness earned him a new one from Bikes Unlimited. How are you, bud? Good. I'm John. Thank you. You're welcome, man. What do you think? I like it. New bike. You like it? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> The Facebook cycling group Spin City saw our story here on ABC 13 News and wanted to help. They raised more than $300 to buy the new bike and even had some extra money to get accessories and helmets for Simon and his brother. The Love family says the stolen bike was only a few dollars from Goodwill and they are blown away by all of this. Our kids always ask us to tell stories about when we were kids. So I feel like this would be one that they would remember forever because it's a pretty cool situation. But just also to remember too that we want to choose forgiveness to be the first answer no matter what the circumstances are. And the members of Spin City who raised that money do want to stay anonymous, but they do tell me that after seeing our story and know how much they love their bikes, they wanted to make sure that Simon had one of his own too. Reporting live in Lynchburg. All right, so... I have a letter here from, this is something we didn't share at the time. Some of you saw the news stories and things like that come out, but we've never really told the story ourselves. But here's an excerpt from a letter that came from one of the people who was helping to arrange all the donations. It says, there's been countless discussions with other family members on this subject, and it's always ending with me proclaiming that forgiveness cannot be given if it's not asked for, even though I've always known that it's not the case. My stubbornness and anger over the countless times I've been hurt, used, and manipulated at his hands is absolutely, um, and his absolute refusal to acknowledge any of it 
has always been something I was just not willing to let go. And then the good Lord decides to show me a story about a mom who teaches her eight-year-old son that it's best to forgive the person who stole his bike rather than be angry about it. And, um, and even though I've taught my own children that very same lesson, for the first time ever, I got the message. Forgiveness is not about freeing the person who has wronged you. It's about freeing yourself from the pain. And so this was something we're just trying to raise our children right with this. Um, and we didn't put up a huge sign. It was just a tiny little eight and a half by 11 sign. And, um, and it's not about the news story. It's about things like this letter where a little boy forgiving someone actually released in such a way that helped others to be able to forgive as well. So when we look at why it's so hard for us to forgive sometimes, there's a few reasons for that. The first one is it just seems unjust. It's almost like saying it's okay that it happened. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to say that it's okay. And Mark says over and over here, it's not saying it's okay. It's saying that I'm not going to sit in the seat of judgment. But sometimes it just still doesn't seem right. Like if, I, if you forgive them, it almost seems as though it's going to be repeated again. And so the idea here then, sometimes it becomes part of our life strategy and we feel as though if we forgive, we are somehow allowing it to happen again. And so often we're going to be believing lies about ourselves, about others, about God, about the situation, and it gets all tangled up so that forgiveness can't happen. And then finally, we're often holding things against ourselves and against God. So I only have a few minutes here, but what I want to do to wrap these things up as we've been praying through things with people, often what happens is we'll get to this point of forgiveness, and it's crazy some of the things that have happened to these folks. And often we'll ask, well, can you forgive them? And they'll often say, well, I want to. Um, or often they'll say, I, I, I think I've forgiven them all over and over. I think I have. I've done what I can. I, and they've gotten as far as they possibly could in their own merit in trying to forgive the person. But often we just feel like I, I still think there's still something there. It doesn't feel completely freeing for me and for them. And, and so when we look at this, um, often we find that there's, there's a trickiness to forgiving. So one of the things that we're going to do today is just pray through some issues of forgiveness. And we're going to also pray through some issues of what it's like to forgive yourself and what it's like to forgive God. Now, theologically, I understand those words aren't the perfect words. Um, it's more so we're holding something against God because he hasn't done anything wrong. And that's part of the trouble is we think like, well, God obviously didn't do anything wrong. It must be on my end. And then we can't really release it because how do you forgive someone who it wasn't even their fault? Um, but at the same time, sometimes that language helps. Lord, I forgive you for. Um, even though we, but we have to keep our theology straight. We have to understand that God didn't do anything wrong, but we are the ones who are holding something against him. And sometimes that sheer act of saying, Lord, I forgive you for, or Lord, I release you from, or Lord, I no longer hold this against you, I think is probably the, the uh, uh, most theological way to say this correctly. But let's just take a little bit of time, and we're going to work a little bit through forgiveness. We're not going to enter back into the event. We're not going to enter back into the painful emotions. We're just going to be asking the Lord to guide us through this, and we're going to help you pray through things. Because one of the things that will happen, and you, you're gonna, some of you will see yourself doing this right now, as we start praying, instead of saying, Lord, I forgive them for, you'll be tempted to say, Lord, help me to forgive them. We've heard many, many prayers where people start out their prayer, Lord, help me to forgive this person. And then they say all of these things about like all the great things and then they get to the end and then we say, okay, well, the Lord's helping you right now to forgive them. So can you say, Lord, I forgive you for, and they can't. And they realize they'd never said, I forgive you. Lord, I forgive them for. So it's important for that release to actually happen 
that you're actually saying, Lord, I am letting go of this offense against me and I'm letting you be the judge of this. So because if you're carrying all of these offenses around yourself, that's a heavy burden to carry. And that's not going to let you walk in the abundant life of Christ. So let's just take a moment and let's just pray a bit concerning forgiveness. So let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. We thank you for your forgiveness, and we ask, would you help us to forgive today? Lord, we dedicate this space to you for the work that you have for us, and we ask, would you just drive out anything we brought with us that's not of you, sanctify this space for this work? We ask, would you just bring our minds to rest and our heart to peace? And would you show us, Lord, who are those people that we need to forgive? Would you bring them to our mind but protect us from them? Would you give us a sense of those that were harboring unforgiveness? Would you give us a sense, Lord, what is it that we need to forgive them for? Would you bring that to our hearts and minds in a way we can receive? And as soon as you can, if you can just pray, Lord, I forgive them for. Some of you, God brought it to your mind. You're like, absolutely, I need to do that. And you just do it. Lord, I forgive them for. And just release them from that. And it's not saying it's okay, but saying, I'm giving this to you, Lord, to judge. And you might even help if you picture just handing them to you. I mean, handing them to the Lord. Picture them going to the Lord along with their offense, along with all that hurt and all that pain, all the frustration, everything that's come upon you because of that all the oppression that's come upon you, maybe there's a foothold that's starting to come there that the enemy can be able to mess with, just let him have that. Give the Lord that foothold. Lord, would you show us, is there anything we're believing concerning this situation, this person? That's a lie that we need to renounce and give to you. Just bring that to our hearts and minds in a way we can receive. Lord, would you bring this into clarity? And Lord, would you show us what's the truth? And Lord, I pray, would you show each one here, is there anything we need to forgive ourselves for? Lord, we know that you died for us, and we know that means forgiveness, but Lord, we often won't receive it. We're stubborn, we want to punish ourselves. Lord, we know you took your pun the punishment on you, so Lord, would you help us not to try to be our own Messiah, our own Savior, do our own penance and our own form of purgatory here in this life. So Lord, for each person here, would you help us to release ourselves, receiving the things that you've given us. And Lord, we can be so stubborn at receiving your goodness, your gifts. Would you show us, is there anything that we need to forgive ourselves for? And just say, Lord, I forgive myself for and let that go. It's not saying it was right you did it or that you didn't do it. Receive his forgiveness into yourself. Let it pour into those places that have been hurt, those places that you've locked down. And finally, some of us need to forgive God. Again, not that he did anything wrong, but we're holding it against him that something happened or it didn't happen. He didn't stop, but he's all-powerful, all-knowing, omniscient, all these things. He doesn't, didn't do anything about it. Things you dreamed would happen that didn't happen. Things he had the power to stop or start and he didn't. 
Father, I pray, would you help each person here? If there's anything we are holding against you, getting in the way of our trust, our faith, getting in the way of us walking with you in this abundant life, Lord, we don't want this. This isn't the way. So Lord, I pray, would you help each person here? Would you show them, is there anything they're believing concerning you that's wrong? And we have a prayer team here that'll be, be around here for the, you know, after the service. If there's anyone that you want to pray through things with, if, if uh, prayer team folks, if you can kind of gather around on the two walls on the, on the sides there. As, uh, as you get ready to go, just ask the Lord if now's the time to lay these burdens down and the prayer team folks can help you do that. Lord, I pray anything we've stirred up today, would you bring that back to rest? But Lord, would you leave that little next step toward that forgiveness, toward that healing, toward that restoration? Lord, you've promised so much and we've walked in so little. Would you guide us, Lord, to see what's our part that needs to be laid down that we might walk out these things? And Lord, I'm fearful about that verse sometimes about not forgiving, but Lord, would you help us to keep our eyes on you, on your forgiveness, on your love, on the way you've poured yourself out to us, the way that you looked down from the thief on the thief on the cross, Lord, and you forgave him on the cross. You looked down on those people who were mocking and you forgave them. You took care of John, your mom. All of these situations, when you were so unfairly treated, would you guide us, Lord, that we would be able to stand up under unjust sufferings, that we would be forgiving like you. So Lord, fan the flame of the forgiveness that's in us Forgive through us, Lord, we pray in the name of Christ. Amen.